Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, I'm Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. All the way back. Oh, man. All the way to the back. This week, we're talking about Dante's butt. <laughs> well, butts in general. <laughs> and Dante's butt kind of adjacent to that. Well, yours kind of takes center stage this week. <laughs> why, why are we talking about my butt? This week, we are talking to sex podcaster, sex educator, writer of erotica, TikToker and Shane Slayer, Ruby Ryder. Such a great name. And you know what's yeah. even better than her name? Her what? What she her tagline when she signs off when we got our email from her and oh. and she's like to the hilt and then and then that's, Ruby Ryder, right? That's that's why we've that's how we named the episode. Yeah. No, it had to be the name of the episode. To sure. the hilt. To the hilt. So she is a pegging expert. Yeah. I mean, why? Yeah, exactly. Why is it to the hilt? Because she pegs butts. That's she. That's she fucks men's asses. She does. Well, prostate yeah. holders. Prostate. Prostate owners' asses. Yes. Which are yeah. generally men, but not always. Not always. Not but always. Uh, we have a fascinating conversation with her this week about yeah. pegging both the hardware and software of it if you will <laughs> yeah and we uh we share a couple of stories yeah we did yeah on all sides yeah so enjoy everyone 
enjoy it. Welcome back, everyone. Really happy today to have Ruby Ryder with us on the podcast. I've had a, I've had a little poke around your website and looked at some of your podcast episodes. Uh, but for the brave ones out there that don't know who the illustrious Ruby Ryder is, would you mind introducing yourself and 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 what what you do and how you do it and why we wanted why we're so excited to talk to you today. <laughs> That's that's a long question. <laughs> and I couldn't help but chuckle when you were said you were poking around my website. Yes, indeed. So yeah, intentional uh, choice of words. <laughs> you went deep into the website. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something I can totally get behind. Yeah. Get behind. Oh my God. Okay. It's just gonna it's just gonna be wordplay for 90 minutes. Uh-huh, I love exactly. it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I thank you so much for having me on, by the way. And I, Ruby Ryder, started the website Pegging Paradise almost 11 years ago now. And it came out of my own passion to explore pegging. And pegging, the original definition, was created by Dan Savage's column. Somebody wrote in and said, I need a word that differentiates between lesbian strap-on sex and what was then called heterosexual strap-on sex. So they had the, the poll and they came up with a bunch of different words and pegging one and there you go. That's when that word was born. So initially it was a very, very gendered word. It meant a woman putting on a strap on and doing a guy anally. It's morphed quite a bit since then because we've got the breakdown of the gender binary and things are more fluid in my world. It's kind of come to mean anybody putting on a strap on and doing somebody who has a prostate. And the queer community, however, is also adopting the word to mean anybody putting a strap on and using it on anybody. But specifically what I teach about and what my passion is, is a prostate receiver and all of my equipment webinars and things like that, I teach to clitoris givers as well. But I do tend to call them givers and receivers. So that's kind of how I started all this. Hmm. About two years into that, I was also exploring BDSM and I was, I do identify as a dominant sensual sadist. And I realized I might be scaring some people away who just wanted to learn about pegging (laughs) and I'm writing things about men getting beaten and tied up and, you know, cool things like that in, in my world. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Always consensually. But so realizing that I might be scaring people away, I started pegging101.com as well. And I copied all of my informational articles over there. So that's the place to go where there's no kink attached. And then I kind of let my freak flag fly with uh, peggingparadise.com. And that birthday, the 11th birthday will be May 11th. I'm so excited. Wow. Wow. 11 years. We got you at a a very special time. Yes, absolutely. That's amazing. So what was the other part of those questions? You asked me a lot in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) So you you said that you were, you were exploring BDSM at the same time. What was it that got you started in that and in pegging and, and educating other people about pegging? Part of the reason I wanted to educate other people about pegging was because I was so passionate about it myself, so excited about it. But you know, the story starts further back because As soon as I became sexual, not having sex with someone, but sexual in terms of masturbating, things like that, I recall just being totally turned on by anything anal, just sort of anally obsessed. Mm. 
And at the time I had access to penthouse letters forum. So it was like the little book that just had the letters. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And that yeah. was really handy because it was separated up into categories. And one of them was anal. So it was so easy. You just flip there and you get to read all the stories. So that was really a turn on for me. And then the epiphany came one day when I read this letter and, you know, they're all so cheesy and they're probably all made up. But anyway, this was the letter with that preface. <laughs> it was two couples The women had labeled themselves football widows because their men were always at the bar watching football games. So they came home after one of these games. Clearly, they'd been drinking as well. And their wives were waiting for them with strap-ons on. And they had footballs on the ground. And they had their husbands bend over and pretend they were centers. And they fucked them. And I thought, (laughs) you can do that? (laughs) I was just blown away. I thought, this is a whole new thing for me. And that idea grabbed a hold and never, ever let go. Um, Fun fact, adjacent to that story, one of the other words that was up for contention in the poll was punter. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) There was also bend over boyfriend. There was a bunch of them in there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? So (laughs) that's really funny. So unfortunately, and I would encourage everybody listening to really take this to heart. I did, I I chose the path that a lot of people who are kinky and have uh, sexual desires outside of the box. I chose that one, unfortunately. And I labeled that bad and weird and different and strange. And I hid it away. And I wrote stories about it because I've always been a writer. So I've written erotic stories about it. But I literally, and this, I do mean literally, because I'm old, you guys, I filed these away in the filing cabinet. We're not talking about a hidden file on the computer here. (laughs) (laughs) So decades, literally decades passed. I got married twice. I approached both husbands with the concept and they both sort of, but I'm sure that when I approached it, I was just really acting like I had leukemia or something. I was all embarrassed and like, oh my God, right? Then they both diplomatically but kindly said no. And I didn't have the confidence to persist and say, well, wait a minute, this is something that turns me on. So I filed it away again. And after I got divorced a second time, I sat with all of that and realized that I was 50 years old. So what now? You know, Is it now or never? And I decided it was, it was then. So a friend of mine helped me put up peggingparadise.com, but literally up until that point, I had no experience. <laughs> wow. It was just something that you knew that you were interested in and that you wanted to try and wanted to make part of your, part of your sexual life. Very much so. So clearly, you know, the onus was on me to get some experience. So I got myself on uh, adult friend finder, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. And there is a whole set of optional questions that are sexually oriented for adult friend finder. You don't have to answer them, but you certainly can. One of those questions is describe your favorite sexual fantasy, right? And I thought, well, I've got some writing skill. Let's see what I can do with this. <laughs> and I thought, if I could have whatever I wanted, what would I want? And I just kind of wrote a fairly simple, um, it's a short story. And it's sort of this thing where the guy's waiting in the hotel room, clearly they're a couple and she is headed there and she calls him up and says, I'm on my way. And I want you naked and hard and holding champagne for me when I walk in the door. And so it's this femdom thing and there's some spanking and there's definitely some pegging. 
and I put that up. And the virtual hands on that website that went up in the air blew my mind. I, I knew I wanted to do this, but I had no idea there were so many men that wanted it done. Mm. And at that point in time, I didn't even know that there was that much pleasure to be had either. So that's kind of how it all started. And the universe was smiling down on me because the first person that I experimented with, and I totally lied to this guy and told him I'd done it before. <laughs> well, I have a history of massage therapy. I've done massage therapy. I'm literally just now stopping my last massage clients. And I've done this for over 30 years. So I read bodies really well and I touch really well. So I knew I could do it, but he was a fireman, a hot fireman. Holy crap. And he just wanted to explore sexually. So we had dinner and, you know, he's, he's understanding. I was going to say the gravity of the situation, but more he's understanding how much trust is required to do this. Right. And how vulnerable of a situation he would be in. And he kind of said, well, yeah, I'm going to have to think about this. I said, you know, I totally understand. And I had all my equipment and everything. I researched it and I bought some good stuff. And he walked me to my car and he kissed me goodnight. And it was one of those magic kisses where, you know, your styles just match and it just flows. And he pulls back from that kiss and he goes, okay, anybody that kisses like that, yes, <laughs> I would like to be intimate with you. Nice. <laughs> so we met in a hotel room and I did him from behind and gave him a reach around and blew his mind. Holy crap. He just kind of collapsed on the bed and said, I had no idea. <laughs> so that was how it all started. So that's why I say the universe was smiling down on me because I got to check off two boxes at the same time, hot fireman and pegging. Take that Marvel. There's that. This is an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ruby, can I ask you, you mentioned earlier that when you were married, you broached the topic with each of your husbands and you said yourself, you didn't quite come at it from the right way. One of the questions that came from our followers was, how do you broach the subject? And if you can, from each side, if you are a man who would like to have this, or if you're a woman who would like to do this, or a clitoris haver versus a prostate haver, how, what, is the, what is a good way to broach this topic with your partner? Well, this has been a question for 10 years <laughs> from both sides of the equation, much more so from the receivers. Mm. It is not uncommon for the receivers once they discover they have pleasure to be had in their ass or once they hear somebody talk about it or read about it, they're the ones kind of driving that pegging bus down the road and going, hey, why don't we try this or wanting to. But there's so much fear of rejection or being misunderstood because there are so many misconceptions and fears. This subject is rife with misconceptions and fears. So after I think about five or six years in, I recorded a podcast specifically. The first one I did was in my voice talking to potential givers. So I'm talking to the women and basically it's almost 50 minutes long. And I take them through all the misconceptions and fears and give them accurate information. I don't try and convince because that doesn't do anybody any good. What they needed to know was accurate information so they could stop doing the knee jerk reaction mm -hmm. and they could actually respond with correct information. But that also requires some input from their partner. 
because like, for example, one of the misconceptions is all of the kinks that are typically associated with pegging in professional pegging porn, the top of the list being feminization of the receiver. Mm. So great. You pause the podcast at that moment and you have a little chat with your partner and say, do you want to dress up like a woman? And in that way, point by point, I bring up all the things that can feel super scary to bring up one by one on your own. Mm. And I always tell the the receivers, you need to listen to this first because you're the only one that can know if this is appropriate for your partner. And so it kind of paves the way. So they introduce the subject and then they let them listen to it. And a couple of years ago, I finally did the reverse and made one for the guys as well. So it covers a lot of territory. It really does. And I've had rave reviews. It's not like every single person who hears it goes, yes, I'm in. But at (laughs) least they have excellent, or you're in, you know, oh, the puns continue. (laughs) But at the same time, it it at least helps with the fears and misconceptions because there are so many. Oh, my gosh. But above and beyond those misconceptions, I think the best way to approach it is with, if you can at all possibly let go of shame and embarrassment. You know, shame is feeling like you're a bad person. Embarrassment is maybe being embarrassed because you did something you shouldn't have. And there's so much taboo and and all kinds of bad stuff put on this particular sexual act that if there's a way you can let that go and kind of approach it calmly and even with excitement and also from a position of education, it's like, Say you're the giver and and you don't know if your partner wants to do this or not. It's like, hey, honey, did you know that there's a spot inside your ass that can give you as much pleasure as that spot inside my vagina that you too are capable of multiple orgasms or full body orgasms? Can we check this out? You know, stuff like that. You're still going to get the I'm exit only and all that kind of stuff, but you know. (laughs) Ah. They know so little. Yeah. Dante, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say that when B and I have had conversations with people about this kind of topic, that there seems to be, and, and Ruby, correct me if, if I'm wrong or if you've come across this before, but there seems to be this, this kind of misconception, especially from like heterosexual guys, that if anything happens in their butt... It doesn't matter who it's with because it's butt stuff, it's gay. And I feel like the way that you just positioned it there about, you know, this magic button that can allow, can open up all of this amazing sort of pleasure, pleasurable actions that I think that would change a lot of people's misconceptions around it because I think it's all rooted in shame. It's rooted in, in being fear of being labeled something that just a little bit of homophobia. Well, there's a lot of that there too. And, 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 and the counter argument has always been like, but it's a woman doing it to you. And they're like, Nope, still gay. And it's like, but, but so how, I mean, do you come across a lot of reluctant receivers in your experience or like you said earlier, the receivers are are generally the driver of it, uh, or is it like a, a mix of a mix of that? Well, there's certainly been no studies on this. However, <laughs> to the best of my ability to discern, I'd say at least seventy percent of the time, if not more, this whole idea is driven by the guys, and it has happened probably after they've taken a considerable amount of time 
to sort of be okay with the concept of it, with recognize, you know, with dealing those misconceptions and fears themselves, at least the ones that they recognize. I mean, there's so much tied up in this that it gets kind of crazy. And, you know, speaking of the guys that anything that comes near their butt and it's gay, <laughs> there are guys who, okay, one of the things I recommend a lot for beginners, beginning couples, is for the receiver, I recommend solo play. And, mm -hmm. and the, the whole point I give them is, how would you like to have sex with someone who's never masturbated? They can't guide you. They have no idea what they like. They don't know their body. But some guys are like, no, nope, can't play with my own butt, you know, because like that makes me gay. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's only one person in this formula here. <laughs> it's so weird. And, and you know, I don't want to do like gross anybody out here, but there's even guys who really don't wipe their asses really good because it's like, nope, don't want to spend too much time back there. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God, People. spend the time. Please spend the time. <laughs> that's that's like the old the old joke at the urinal. If you shake it more than twice, you're playing with it, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the saddest part for me is I mean, Beatrice, you had you had mentioned that people don't want to be labeled something different. But I think the sad part for me is that the whole inference here is that if they get labeled gay or bisexual or feminine, that it's somehow less than. And yeah. that's the thing right. that really just ticks me off that mm. I battle against all the time. Absolutely. But yeah, there's a whole lot of homophobia, of fear of being seen as a different orientation. That's the main fear when you approach a partner, especially from the receiver's point of view, is what are they going to think of me? And it's not unfounded because that's often the first thing they think of them <laughs> because they have misconceptions. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I come in. That's such a great point that you make that somehow, first of all, that pegging makes the receiver less masculine, but also that the the antiquated idea that feminine is less than or is is something that would be the worst thing ever. And I know, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, it's confession time. So oh. yeah, Dante <laughs> and I have had quite a few conversations about this. And I, one of the things that makes it uh, turn on for me, the idea of it is that his understanding that it doesn't change who he is. This is all about pleasure and exploration and playing with roles and playing with, with power dynamics has nothing to do with who he is as a man, who I am as a woman. This is about two partners that have a level of trust because it's, it's interesting when it's, when I'm the receiver and we've talked about the pleasure of that for him, for me. And can I tell the story? You can take it out. If you no, want. No, 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 go, go. I can was, I okay. Yeah, right. I was going to, it was, it was, <laughs> was going to be talked about. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like, she's going there. Well, <laughs> she's going there. Before you, before you tell that story, actually, okay. there's a, there's a, there's a nice little kind of lead in that I wanted to go. Okay. And, and that I think that as somebody who generally does most of the penetrating, I think that once you have been penetrated, you have a lot more, and this leads to that story. You have a lot more <laughs> appreciation of what people who are generally the penetrated ones go through on on a regular basis mm -hmm. it's very very different i remember clearly before and after that that experience being like oh wow like yeah 
it's at a level of intensity that as somebody, you know, as a penis owner, they don't generally feel that because it's a, it's a different experience. It's a different. Sometimes it's a level of intensity that requires aftercare. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and okay. So, so there's a couple of stories there. We've, we've, we have explored with a little bit of butt play and, you know, on, on both sides, we're not talking about me today as a receiver, but just, just as an, (laughs) as, as an aside to, to further my point, you know, lubed fingers, a couple of different butt plugs and, and just some playing around with different stimulation around that and some different things that are, that are possible. And so it was almost like, I guess what, what, a few weeks ago. And it was sort of like, let's, let's sort of mimic the, the pegging feel with this butt plug that we had. Mm-hmm. And they're beautiful and glass and gorgeous and right. Right. It's got oh, a little yes, ring yes, on the sorry. end. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah sorry. Yes. Hello. Yes, they are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's just remembering it. And <laughs> thinking and about the shape and yeah. just thinking. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about, you know, the reach around and what's, what's possible for you as the giver, it frees you up to do a lot of things. And it, it was an amazing result and just, just kind of blew my mind to, to see him in that state of receiving and trust and pleasure. It was amazing. And the aftercare is very important and just making sure because when you are that vulnerable to a partner like that, you know, I, I know for me, I need that aftercare when we've had mm-hmm. that kind of play. And so because I've had that experience, you know, what are you going to, is your partner going to be like, don't fuss over me. Okay. But I'd rather offer it and then him go, no, I'm, I'm good. But his ability to receive that from me as well was really the, the level of intimacy was r- really surprising and amazing. And so we were just kind of debriefing a little bit. And that's always kind of a thing that we do, you know, whenever we've had some kind of an adventure, we'll debrief and talk about it and talk about it. That's why we have a podcast because we can't shut up about anything. <laughs> and I asked him, you know, how did that feel? And he goes, it, huge, <laughs> huge. That was the first word. Huge. <laughs> and I was like, um, excuse me, excuse me. And he goes, yeah, no. My second thought was like, well done you. Like you, you, you do really well with that. So it was, I, I think the point I was trying to make other than just being able to tell cool stories about that, like that mm-hmm. is the 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 level of empathy that that is achieved between two partners that are able to almost to switch roles almost literally to switch roles and understand what the other one might be feeling like physically emotionally i think that that is a really important part that a lot of people just kind of think of the mechanics of it and the kink factor and the you know what does it mean for your femininity or masculinity. And they really miss all of the nuances that kind of came up for us. And so, uh, you know, I, I get it. I get why people are afraid, but this is one of the reasons why we wanted to have talk to you because, you know, you, you are the expert (laughs) and, and just, and, but, but just to be able to speak to you about that and have you go, yeah, well, yeah, that's, those are, those are things that, that come up. Right. And those are the Mm -hmm. things that I don't think a lot of people really 
think about when they're talking about this. It's all about mechanics and hardware, if you will. But these were kind of some of the really pleasantly surprising aspects of it. And we haven't even gone right to the right to the hilt is that is right that the sign off? to the hilt yeah. that's a, that's how i sign my letters <laughs> to the hilt ruby yes it's cool. uh, it almost it almost sounds like you guys are doing homework you know it's like well ruby's gonna be on so let's do this <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's it's been a progression over time because you know mm-hmm. i've always been interested in in butt stuff and i tried self more more giving than receiving but... yes but then i was like you know i need to understand both sides and so i would you know, tried things myself. And I was like, yeah, okay. It's not. Mm. And then I was like, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. So <laughs> go to an expert in, you know, who does prostate massage. And I was like, okay, this person should know what's up. And it was like, yeah, okay. And then, and then be sort of oh. surprised. No, nah, I mean, we talked about it, but um, <laughs> it was consensual. <laughs> it was a birthday present. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, this is different. And I think, honestly, I think the difference was the connection to my partner and that trust and all that other kind of emotional side of it and not just the physical mechanics of something going into something else. And, you know, like it, it was, it was who, what, who the connection was with. And then that has been a progression over, you know, time since that first experience where all of a sudden it turns out that yeah I do actually like that a lot more than than I thought I would and <laughs> and yeah we're you know working up to all the different sort of variations and things to go and that actually leads me to my next question for you Ruby is logistically you've had the conversation both partners are on the same page mhm does the the giver or the receiver go out to their neighborhood sex store and buy a giant veiny strap on <laughs> and a harness or like a birthday candle? Yeah, yeah, or like a baby arm or something, right? And, <laughs> oh my god, no. You're you're touching on so many things that I teach in my beginner's <laughs> webinar. You really are. Because I mean, you know, 10% of my webinars are stand-up comedy because I've been doing these a lot. I've done 120 webinars from March 1st of last year to March 1st of this year. Wow. And I teach, I teach three different kinds. Okay? okay. I teach beginners equipment and advanced. So with the beginners, you know, one of my safety rules is start small mm-hmm. and I have props, of course, and I hold up this e- freaking enormous <laughs> dick. Right. And I go, no matter how long you have been fantasizing about either fucking someone with something like this or getting fucked with something like this, don't start here. Here is how you want to start. Okay. (laughs) See the difference here. Do not let your eyes be bigger than your ass. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also talk. So, okay. Buying equipment. I I'm really kind of hardcore about this. I, will not answer the question of what's the best equipment. And I know that you didn't ask that, but I get asked that every single day. And I won't answer it because there's no one size fits all. There simply isn't. And there's factors that you need to take into consideration that get pretty detailed. Like, for example, how sensitive of a prostate do you have? Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
if someone puts some fingers in there and stimulates your prostate and just barely strokes it, does that send you to your sweet spot and you couldn't take any more stimulation if they gave it to you? Or maybe a medium stroke or maybe a pretty firm stroke. All of those require different toys. Right. So you can read something and go, hey, I saw that a curved toy would stimulate your prostate more. Let's get one of those. And you could have the exact wrong kind of prostate for that. There's so many different factors that come into play and not just factors of physiology and how your body reacts, but how your body's made. Are you a big, beautiful person? One or both of you, then you're going to need a longer toy, you know, Mm. all kinds of different things. So that's literally a two-hour webinar that I have difficulty finishing on time every single time. Wow. So much because there's so much in there. Yeah, it also helps people navigate the wild world of safe sex toys too, though. Yeah, because there's so much crap out there. Yeah, and I can understand if you don't have that much money to spend, but you still can get quality stuff and not spend a lot of money. Absolutely. But I love the story that you told, because when I first started looking at this whole pegging subject, I was reading what everybody else wrote. And I thought, you know, I was doing the imposter syndrome a little bit, sort of like, you know, what do I have to add to this? You know, they've written it all. I don't know. And then over as years went by, I realized that kind of the hole in the information, haha, right, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going, is that few people are talking about that emotional component and how deeply that role reversal can be felt. Because I do talk about that role reversal ending up producing a deeper intimacy in couples like all the time. I get emails all the time about this. In fact, for those of you who didn't know and are listening, on my podcast, I do this fun thing where when couples are sort of working up to doing the deed, right? When they get there, all they have to do is send me a letter and say, hey, we did the deed. Can you play the music for us? And they can tell the story if they want, but it doesn't have to be some long salacious thing. They literally can say, hey, we're a couple in Saskatchewan and we did the thing. So play the music for us. And I play this really fun, upbeat, celebratory music. And I call it pegging celebration time. Love right? It. <laughs> and one of my listeners wrote and said, can I get that audio clip? <laughs> and he uses it as a, a ringer on his phone. I go, as long as you don't share it, because I paid for this, okay? <laughs> but there's so much of the psychological, emotional component in this. And, you know, as a true person who's passionate about what they do, I truly believe pegging can save the world. <laughs> but part of the reason I think that that could be true is because in general, you just, you know, prepare yourself for the generalizations here. The men are expected to stay in the man box. And that term was created, I believe, by Tony Porter in a TED Talk, which describes a whole bunch of characteristics that men are expected to adhere to, to be thought of as masculine and manly. But more importantly for our conversation, a whole bunch of characteristics are forbidden to do, which would be appear feminine, appear appear gay, do anything that can be considered that. And also, unfortunately, to allow vulnerability because it's conflated with weakness Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Sure, if you're in the military and you have a vulnerability, it's weakness, but it's not that way in interpersonal communications at all. No, no. And allowing 
someone who has been sadly kind of trained by, you know, from 10 years old to never allow that, never allow that free emotional expression, never allow that openness and of emotional risk and that vulnerability to have that can be such a gift, can be such a gift from both directions. Like I allowed my partner to have that. And I got to have that because my partner helped me with this fun thing, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that part is fascinating to me. Men just kind of soften. It's the most beautiful thing. It it really really is. And you know what? I'm just going to say patriarchy sucks for everybody. Right? Yes. Everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dante, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say it's bridging that empathy gap, right? Mm -hmm. Because the experience between and, you know, we're talking about in a heteronormative sort of scenario of a man and a woman, but their experiences in the world, especially sexually, are generally very, very different. And what Ruby's talking about kind of brings that experience to in together in a way that both parties can under can physically understand what the other goes through on a regular basis. So the role reversal is extraordinary. And you touched on that already, but to get a little more detailed about it. So most women do not have a clue what it takes to fuck somebody. They don't have a clue. It takes balance and strength and endurance and grace and multitasking. Multitasking to a degree that women will never truly understand because we don't have to have just as much fun to keep it hard, but not too much fun where things are going to end early. (laughs) You know, we never have to deal with that. We strap it on and it's there, right? Think about baseball. But yeah, exactly. That multitasking is really a whole lot more intense than I ever realized. Mm. But also fucking as an athletic event, it totally is. And you start trying pegging as the giver and you will appreciate the cock owner in your life so much more. Holy shit. You try doing missionary position. It's like, you do this every time you fuck me. This is (laughs) intense, man. Yes, it is. I appreciate you so much now, Dante. How, where's that going to go? Where, what's, this, wow. where's, what's the glass ceiling on that? It's going to be shattered. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> and this is even to the point of the givers say, so what exercises can we do? And I have a list of exercises. <laughs> Amazing. Squats, deads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those Wall sits. They have to be, they have to be strong. Squats is right? in there. Kettlebell swings, glute yep. bridges, cardio. Mm-hmm. Yep. All, all the it. core exercises too. No. Love it. Yeah. Love it, love it. But on the other side of things, okay, it's like the guys get to understand that foreplay is is not a little something you do first. It's a freaking act of the play, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a whole act of the play. And it's not 20 seconds of can I put it in yet, you know? <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> And I don't mean to cast aspersions on all the guys that, that this is how they approach foreplay, but at the same time, the longer you spend there, the more you awaken that territory and the more hungry that they are for the main chorus, you know, for the second act of the play or whatever you want to call it. And it can be this seduction and this tease as opposed to a, okay, I have to do this to get this ready. Right. And almost always I hear that after doing the pegging thing, the partners, the guys tend to spend, and this is from the woman's point of view. This is from, you know, the givers telling me this, oh, they're, they're spending a lot more time on foreplay now. (laughs) I think anybody, anybody who engages in, in anal play successfully understands that it's not something to be rushed. No, that it is, it is definitely, you need to take your time with it. 
Otherwise, it's not going to be a good experience for everybody. Both over the short term and the long term. Like that successful anal play where I'm the receiver and you're the giver is a long game for Mm -hmm. sure. Like both in, in each, in each instance. And then over the course of what the last three or four years, Mm -hmm. just, just trying things and, and, and getting like your body learns what to do. Your body has learned with the, with the, with the play we've done with you over the last couple of years, your body learns. I was going to, I was going to just, sorry, throw something else in there about have the receivers communicated any kind of sense of relief because you were talking about like playing, having that mental gymnastics about, okay, like this feels really good, but I have to kind of back it off or it's going to not last long enough, or I have to keep it. Is there any sense of relief where that burden is removed because there's really no pressure on them at any, at any point when they're being pegged to maintain an erection? Yes. And that's one of the things that I do mention as well, and that it's important for givers to know, because there is just aside from the whole pegging formula, there's so much emphasis on guys to have erections. Good Lord. Mm. I wish we could knock that shit off. It's like, you don't have a heart on, so you're not attracted to me. Mm. It's like, can we not, you know, base an erection on your self-worth here? Can we just have a good time with your partner and realize that erections are fickle, they come and go and have a good time. But getting back to the pegging thing, they're even more fickle with pegging because some receivers will have erections that come and go. Some will be hard the whole time, but a good percentage will not be able to get hard if their life depended on it. So I coach the givers not to look for that as a sign Mm -hmm. that they're having a good time Mm -hmm. to ask. Now, on the part of the receivers, is it a relief? Yes, absolutely. It's sort of, I get so many guys who talk about just the ability to let go, mm. to not have to run the fuck, so to speak, mm-hmm. and to just receive is really quite exquisite. It's sort of mm. like they could just take a deep breath and let go and relax. And at the same time, what I was thinking about when you were speaking was, it's not that easy sometimes. In mm. other words, there's still so much hammering in of these misconceptions and things that have occurred over time, perhaps of this person's life, that let's say this guy's getting pegged and he's absolutely loving it. A little thread's going in his head a little bit about, oh, I can't act like I enjoy this too much. Mm. And again, not without cause, because there are givers who say, oh, you enjoyed that so much, you've got to be gay, you know, stupid stuff like this. So that's why I teach. (laughs) That's why I teach is to try and really kind of deal with all of this and get accurate information out there. And there's people who are very, very reluctant to see that point of view. They're so attached to all of their assumptions and their misconceptions that are really common in our society. I can see now why you, why, why you make the assertion that pegging can save the world. It sounds like you're right about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I am or not, but I I don't know. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. (laughs) (laughs) I have a deep empathy for the way that we have boxed men in, Mm. in our society. Agreed. Because there's so much happening socially these days with the Me Too movement and all these things. And we're expecting a lot of men. We're not only expecting a lot of men, but we're expecting a lot of men in the areas that they have been actively trained not to have these skills This is where I really, and I don't think empathy is the right word, is sympathy, because I can't put myself in your position. Mm. 
But at the same time, you know, this is something that actually allows that and, and kind of cracks that veneer and starts to walk down that path a little bit, because I don't think it's an instantaneous thing by any means. But, you know, one of the things that happens during pegging that I truly love is that when you very first penetrate your partner, the look on their face is kind of this expression of awe and surprise and complete vulnerability. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's kind of like crack for me. <laughs> so I really like positions where I can see their face, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's this just this beautiful thing. How often do you get to see that expression? That's, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier and I completely understand the assertion that there is no one way to begin doing this. It does sound like you need to understand what type of prostate you have. And mm -hmm. so, and a good lube is definitely a must, but beyond that positionally, is there, I mean, you, you love positions where you can see their face, but is, is, does that all, do those positions also kind of depend on the type of prostate somebody has in terms of the depth of penetration you're going to get, whether it's like a missionary or from behind or other sorts of variations to, to that effect? Sometimes because you can always change the angle of the toy as well. Right. I mean, most cock owners know that, you know, change that angle a little bit and then you can really bring a smile to your partner's face or make it fade away <laughs> either way. <laughs> and the same thing applies. Uh, we can switch out toys, which is pretty cool yeah. because, you know, if you want something wider or narrower, we can do that. But there's so many variables there. What about if you have height discrepancy and the giver is uh, very short and petite and the receiver is the big tall guy? You know, then there are different positions that are better for them. What if you are a big, beautiful body person and you have this belly that might get in the way? You know, that lovely large thing of flesh there can stop you from penetrating all the way. So it's so independent. No, it's so individual mm -hmm. for each couple and how their bodies match up. Like, for example, me, I fantasize about doggy all the time. It's this, it's even though I can't see their face because it's this really dominant, powerful sort of, yeah, I'm going to grab you and fuck you type of thing. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm 5'11 and I have a 36 inch inseam. My legs are extraordinarily long. Wow. <laughs> I'm a little tiny short person when I sit down, <laughs> <laughs> but what happens in doggy style is I have to spread my legs so far to get down to the level of the ass that I'm fucking that I don't get to do it a lot. You know, mm. unless guys have long legs like I do, which is not usually the case. Mm. So there's situations like that where it's just simply how bodies match up. And then we bring in all the sex cushions and props and things and we fix it all. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I love. I love the playfulness about it and the way you put it forward of, you know, experiment, explore. It doesn't have to be you know, perfect the first time. It doesn't have, just play around a little bit and just see what works for you. I love that sort of playfulness. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are so afraid of failure or what they perceive as failure in doing something new that the playfulness is missing. And that that's, that's something else that I find really builds intimacy between Dante and I is that, that willingness to just try and just see. And you know, to, you know, like that, that first time on your birthday, you started to panic a little bit. And I just remember him going, no, 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 no. And you're like, okay, okay, no, okay, okay. And it wasn't, and we, it was like, it was like a meter stick. It just <laughs> seemed to go on forever. 
I was like, the thing was the size of my thumb. Happening. Okay, it's the size. It was the size of my thumb. I shit you not. Yeah. No pun intended. But I like, and he was just. He just got this like. I was panicked. He, he slipped into a panic and was just like, nope, 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 no. Just, just like Deadpool. And just like that. And yeah. Just like Deadpool. <laughs> Which is like, it's one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Happy relax. International Women's Day. Relax. <laughs> relax. It's like, how many women have been told relax? You know, it's like, relax, dude. It's fine. You know, <laughs> I found a uh, a clip. I, I'm sorry. I didn't find it. My daughter found it. My daughter's 25. Knows all about everything that I do. Well, not to that extent, but you get the point. She knows mm. who, you know, she knows mm. me as Ruby Ryder and then mm-hmm. my real name. But yeah, the whole Deadpool and that scene thing, she said, hey, I found something you might be interested in. And then on YouTube, there was an interview. And I believe it was with a Spanish speaking TV or radio channel. Might have been a radio. I'm not sure. And so they're doing an interview with him, right? And they're speaking in English, but they've got Spanish subtitles. Mm. And it's a fairly long thing. You know, they're in the, the, the tour bus for a little bit or something. And they ask him, so what was the hardest part of filming that? Mm. You know, what was the hardest part of filming that movie? And somebody in the crowd goes, the strap-on scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, and he kind of looks up and he goes, the strap-on scene? No, I've done that. And then he goes Ooh. on, right? Like and just then he goes right over it. Just, yeah, just boom, just like that. And then he goes on to talk about the hardest scene was actually when he was totally naked in all the scar makeup fighting in the flaming place. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that was hard. I love that. I love that. Oh, yeah, but, no, I've done that. No problem. See, he's one of our he's one of our Canadian fellow Canadian brothers. That Oh, so. that's wonderful. One of, our, one of our greatest exports. <laughs> yes. One of the what? Because Canada is the sexy Ryan factory. That's right. We, we have Ryan Gosling. And- oh. All the sexy Ryans Ryan from Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and a lot of really good sex toy manufacturers are up there too. You mm. guys have got Aslan leather harnesses. Oh Is Aslan God. Canadian? Oh yeah. I'm and gonna actually, guess they're out of Montreal. They that sounds that sounds like something our our Quebecer friends would be. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but also we'll have Fuse, to look that up. Fuse toys are conceived of and used to be manufactured in Canada, but they. Figured out that Americans do silicone a little bit better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they ship their manufacturing down here. But they still are in Canada, the Fuse toys. They're fantastic. Hmm. But, but so this this whole thing of um, <laughs> that moment of, no, 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 I don't want to do this. You know, nope, nope, that, nope. that fear thing. <laughs> I tell, it's like this anxiety of that level of vulnerability and also, you know, concern that it's going to hurt. There's all kinds of things wrapped up in that. But what I tell people is, you know, if all you are comfortable with is something the size of a finger in your ass, then get a toy the size of a finger. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in it. It doesn't matter why you want that, why you need it. And it's not this male competition thing of I can take something bigger. (laughs) You know, that's this is not the time for that. It's more like, it's more like react, you know, uh, respect your ass, respect what it needs and follow the cues off the ass. So if all you're comfortable with is something that size, then that's what you get. Absolutely. I have another story. Can I, can I, do you want to tell the other story? You want me to, no, do you go. know what story I'm talking about? No. So go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh, you're brave. <laughs> so we, <laughs> isn't he trust. wonderful? Trust. Trust. It's actually not about you. It's about you, you and I. Actually, um, we invoke Dan Savage a lot in this podcast. And um, a few years ago in the before times, 
we had the opportunity to attend his hump film festival in Toronto. And like, what an experience to go to a theater. It was, and, and beautiful old theater, beautiful old theater, sit with an audience of like incredibly diverse people and sexualities and identities and interests. It was really quite something. And our thought was, you know, we tend to self-select when we watch porn, right? We just, we kind of find the things that we, we already like because these are films that are chosen for us. Maybe we'll find something new that we like. And there was a, um, oh my gosh. Why can't I think of the performer's name? Buck Angel. Buck Angel clip. Ruby smiles. Ruby knows what's up. <laughs> it's one of my favorite people is Buck Angel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like fantastic. It was, it was incredibly shot and i've i'd heard of buck angel before but i'd never seen any of his any, porn. any of his porn and for those so, of you that don't know buck angel is a trans man man porn, porn for performer porn performer yes and he had a young young man with him who had a prince albert piercing right penis Did piercing yes and, you know, and you want to talk about foreplay, there was a lot and it was like, it was all in black and white and kind of grainy. And, and we were just like, oh, it's very artsy. Where's this you know? going? Where's this going? And there was a lot, like a lot of foreplay and kissing. And I was, I was fascinated by it. I was like, oh, you know, this is good. And then the scene changed and Buck Angel had a black latex glove all the way to over the elbow and was fisting this young man like a V8 engine piston going. Oh God. And <laughs> don't try this at home. <laughs> no. And <laughs> I, we were, I mean, the it, theater was full, full and silent. You could have heard a pin drop <laughs> in that theater. And I'm pretty sure we couldn't see anyone, but I think we were all like this. Yeah. Just mouth agape. Yeah. And even and, if, the, the people down the row from us. What I forget them. What did they do? There were there were three or four older gay gentlemen. They were in front of us. Were they in front of us? Yeah. yeah and yeah. when the scene ended, even like though, though they were like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> what did we just see? What did we just? What did we just watch? Yeah, <laughs> we just saw extreme sports. Oh. Yeah, it really was the X Games of like fisting like, to the elbow. It, it's it was yeah, it was crazy. And I think when you were talking before, the reason I tell that story, it's not just to show off. The, to your point, Ruby, that I think you know, decades and decades of socialization to think of anything going into a man's ass, going to something like that or anal rape or anything like that, that it's those, those misconceptions go deep and broad. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. w- with, with men and women. And so I can understand why there's a lot of, of clitoris owners that are hesitant as well. It's a daunting thing, but you know, that is not, and, and if, and if that was, if, if Dante and I were thinking about, you know, anal play with his ass instead of mine. And that's the only thing we had to go by. It's like, oh, no, I think I think we're good. But like you said, to know yourself and to have some discussions and have some some experimentation and a little bit of play with it and some progression. 
Like if you, if you get to the point where, you know, you've got the latex glove and you're then, Hey, and that's what you want. Great for you. Have at it. Yahtzee as uncle Dan would say, but I, I, I think, and, and this is what makes your website and your teaching and your webinars and your materials so great is that it gives people that permission to have something the size of a finger, a pinky finger or whatever it is that they need. I don't think that like, there's certainly not enough of you out there giving people proper information and, and demystifying. And this is why we call our podcast cheating on fear is because it is about that proper education and that, that proper information to dispel the fears and misconceptions that people have about things like this, that like we've been talking about the whole time, create a whole new world of pleasure for both partners and a whole new level of intimacy for both partners. And so it's, yeah, it was just, it, I still chuckle about it now. It's been what, like three years. And it's just like, wow, I've never seen anything like that before or since. And, and just, just that collective experience of all of us just sitting in this theater, just dumbfounded with like, you know, and, and the admiration on both sides were like, wow, that is something that's, yeah impressive very impressive very impressive on both sides so yeah the way i the way i teach i try to also allow people to experience this any way that they want to experience it because so far in our discussions this morning we've talked about deeper intimacy and bonding between couples and that kind of thing and that often happens absolutely but a little story of mine is i wrote an article about pegging and intimacy And I posted it up on my blog and I put it up on FetLife. And so part of the reason that I wrote it was because still to this day and endlessly, there are ads all over the place of, you know, virgin ass in Florida looking to be pop for the first time or whatever. And I'm trying to get the idea across to hopeful receivers that this is typically not something that is a hookup thing. It's not like you look up to find the pegging person on Tinder. I'm not saying that hasn't happened, but most of the time, it's a connection that already exists. There's some trust between the people. And that's kind of how it works. And all these people were jumping on board the comments and going, yeah, yeah, this is the best way to do it. Whenever I hear that, this is the right way or this is the best day, the flags, the red flags Mm -hmm. go up in back of me and go, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Because there's so many different ways to do just about anything sexually. And sure enough, this guy gets on there and he says in the comments, well, you know, that might be the way that it is for you guys, but that's not the way it is for me because my kink is being treated like a thing, like an object and used for the person's satisfaction. And honestly, if there's any intimacy between that person and me, it kind of ruins it for me. And I just literally sat back in my chair and went, whoa, okay. And he broke the ice. A couple of other guys got on there and said, yeah, that's the way it is for me too. Mm -hmm. So I like telling people, you know, you can do this any way you want to do it. You know, when you watch porn, it shows you something that is overrepresented with in association with all kinds of kinks, but those kinks are not inextricably connected to pegging. Pegging can be one more way to sensually make love to your partner. Absolutely even though why you wouldn't want to tie him up and beat him first, you know, I don't understand, but that's me. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, that's not for everybody. <laughs> and we all get to do it exactly the way we want to. Yeah. And that's a negotiation you, you have with your partner. 
but the assumptions and fears are so connected with that as well. It's sort of like, oh, okay, so you want to do pegging. Does that mean I have to learn how to tie you up and beat you? You know, maybe yes. If maybe you want. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hmm. But the, I, I've been to a hump festival as well. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so much fun. They're so there much always fun. is some silent times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you yeah. mentioned Buck Angel, a uh, long time ago, I went to a sexuality conference and he presented mm. and wow. he told his story. And I think the the sort of thrust behind his whole presentation was <laughs> <look>. <laughs> thrust. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to pass it up, but thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> was that, okay, look, I'm a trans man who's decided to love my pussy because he has not had, no. you know, uh, post-transition surgery or anything. And he said, so, you know, I'm here to encourage you to love yours, right? Mm. But he told his whole story, which was absolutely fascinating. And I'll never forget when he reached the point of talking about, so then I thought, do I want to have the surgery? Do I want to get a dick? And I'd been looking at this pickup, you know, and like the surgery was $60,000, $70,000. And I thought, pickup or dick? Pickup. <laughs> he got the truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. And I'm sure I'm sure it was not that simple, but still. Right. <laughs> That's one of the things I remember from his talk. Hmm. But the Hump Film Festival. Oh, what a jewel. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. Absolutely. The diversity. Yeah. That is the word that just describes it all. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I love that story. You know, you don't think about you don't sometimes you don't know where your role models are going to come from. And to have Buck Angel stand up and say, I have chosen to love my pussy. You should love your pussy too. And all, all the shame, you know, the, the pussy shaming that goes on, like what a, it's, it, sometimes it's surprising where that moment will come from or that advice will come from. And you're just like, wow, that's, I, I love that story. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I think I'd like a truck. You know what? Never mind. I don't need a dick. I can, I can buy those at the store. <laughs> <laughs> For a lot less. Yeah. For a lot less. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All sorts of different sizes. Yeah. Do you find, Ruby, when when you travel, do you do you find that it's difficult to bring your toolkit with you? Is that something that has ever been an issue? When you know, in the before times, when we used to be able to fly on planes, places, and things like that, taking that sort of stuff, or or do you have places in the cities that you visit that you just know you can get supplies when you arrive and it's just easier to to do that i always take my stuff with me okay and then there are a couple of different reasons i travel one would be for personal pleasure sure and many times in those cases i am meeting up with someone i am bringing my toys right Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. only difficulty i experience there is not being able to duplicate my playroom wherever i'm going (laughs) You know, I can't take the sex swing. I can't take a whole bunch of things, sadly. Yeah. But in terms of like TSA and, and airports and stuff like that, the other possibility would be teaching. And mm. I have traveled to teach a little bit. It is not cost effective to travel to teach as a sex educator. You just simply can't get paid enough to make it worth your time. Mm-hmm. But I do take trips sometimes to places where I have family like Denver, Colorado, And I've taught some classes there and I probably will again in the future. Mm -hmm. And I have just a basic small carry-on that is literally packed with sex toys because (laughs) that's what I use when I teach, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's always entertaining for me 
to watch it go through the little x-ray machine and watch (laughs) the person who's checking it out, right? Because you see them from your point of view and they're looking down at the screen and then you see the belt kind of go back and forth and then back up a little (laughs) bit and they look and they maybe lean in a little bit and then a little back and forth and back and forth and they look. Call somebody over. No, they haven't done that, but they, and they've let it go every single time. No questions. No questions asked. And, I, and I've and i even had the Enjoy Pure Wand in there. Certainly not the Enjoy 11. The Enjoy 11 is like, it's like a club. It's heavy. They will metal. not let you take that carry-on. It's prohibited on carry-on. because you it's got to check it's it. A, it. down it a door a weapon, with that. Yeah. But they've never stopped me. On, hmm. And at the same time, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm jonesing for him too, but I'm ready. I'm totally ready. Right. <laughs> got the business cards ready. <laughs> well, I read this fantastic thing about... I can't even remember who said it, but it stocks in this wonderful place inside me about, okay, so you, you get pulled over or whatever you want to call it by the TSA and they, you know, taken into a room or whatever. And they're like, what is this? You're like, oh, you don't know about sex toys? We'll see this one. This one is 11 inches long and it's two inches in diameter. And basically you only want to use this and you become sex educator. <laughs> you know, this vibrator is good for dual internal clitoral stimulation and external clitoral And this is how you use it. And you need to recharge it about every two or three hours and you just go into sex educator. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so ready. You know what? That The look on people's faces is reason enough to not check that bag. I mean, you don't want to get it lost. But also it's just worth it to take it to take it as carry on because it's like you don't get to see you don't get to see the looks on people's faces when you check that stuff. No, no, no. That's my carry on. I love it. And I'm so far beyond any level of embarrassment around this. Yeah. I just want my stuff for my class. That's all I want. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if they started taking them out and waving them around, whereas other people might feel shame or embarrassment. I'd want to like grab them and do a little dance and go check it. People look what I got, man. Love it. (laughs) So you were mentioning that it's not really practical or feasible financially for you to, to go and travel around to teach. I've noticed that you've dipped your toe into TikTok. (laughs) I did. (laughs) So I got very inspired by uh, someone who's a bit of a hero of mine. His name is Dr. Joe Court and Joe Court is a therapist but Joe Court is working so hard to inform other therapists about kink and alternative relationships and marginalized communities and to educate them in all the areas where they're, they're lacking, quite honestly. And he interviewed me on his podcast. I think it's called Smart Sex, Smart Love. Maybe it's the other way around, Smart Love. No, it's Smart Sex, Smart Love. So he got on TikTok. Joe Court is gay, married to his husband, and he got on there and just created a firestorm because he started talking about how, so actually people, there really are straight men who go out and have sex with other men because they want that prostate stimulation. Mm. They want that experience. And it is far easier to find with another man than it is with a woman with a strap on. Wow. And they're straight. And he keeps maintaining, you know, it's who you're attracted to. It's not the sexual activity. Mm. I mean, some of the things that I say, I borrowed from him, like uh, asses don't have an orientation. <laughs> you Love know? It. Straight guys feel pleasure in their prostate just as much as gay guys. So, you know. Yeah. So, but I, I just thought 
you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big, I love, I love TikTok. I just think it's, it's such a brilliant she really platform. Does. I really do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I save all kinds of stuff when we're not together. I save all kinds of stuff. It's like, it's TikTok time to, <laughs> to, to show them all the different stuff because there's so many people out there that are using it as an informational platform for little bite-sized pieces of information. And it's so widely used. I just thought it was so great when I was on, when I also was elbow deep into your website and saw that you, and on your Twitter page, you're, you, you have a TikTok channel. So I just thought that was so great. And, and, and was wondering how you're finding that and what, what are some of the ways that you have to sort of go around to get your information out on that platform? Mm-hmm. Well, I've had two taken down. I, I tried to be marginalized community friendly and mm. print out every single thing I was saying, but I suspect that that got me taken down sometimes. Mm. Mm. So I stopped doing that. I use euphemisms or other words for body parts. I use givers and receivers. You know, I, yeah, you talk around it. Mm -hmm. And if you ever have sex or anything like that in the title, you use a special character for the E and there are ways around it like that. But I also just in terms of, you know, that's the censorship end of things. Mm. So I, I, I'm careful with that as much as I can be at the same time, I really want to get some information across, but in terms of the wild world of TikTok, that's Mm. a whole nother story. So I don't, click either of those buttons that'll allow people to do the, the to share it and to make comments or, on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, duet or the, duet or stitch. Exactly. Yeah. Th- that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> No, because that's so easy to take and just rip somebody apart. Yeah, and that's really sure. not what I want. So I don't allow that those buttons to be clicked in the wrong direction. I don't permit that. But also, I, you know, I, I actually recorded a TikTok video it goes, okay, here's the rules of my TikTok. Okay. Uh, if you are mean, if you attack me, you're gone, you're blocked. If you sexualize me, oh, this is a big thing as a sex educator. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you walk around in the world and I'm so comfortable talking about sex because good grief, I've been doing this for 10 years. Is it matter of fact with me? Absolutely. Am I comfortable? Totally. There's not a lot of people that have that level of comfort. That can be very attractive. That can be like, whoa, you're just so comfortable with this. This is awesome. And wow, I wish I could come to California and you could do me. So here's the rules on that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The rules are, uh, I will listen to your stories about your experiences. I may even give you advice on how to talk to your partner or how to do pegging. And I will maybe share even some of my own stories. And, you you know, I'm fine with all of that. But the moment you start talking about you and me, you've crossed the line Mm -hmm. because I don't even fucking know you. Okay. It's completely inappropriate. Would you walk up to a woman at a bar and go, wow, I'd sure like you to fuck me. No, of course not. So anything you wouldn't walk up to a woman at a bar and say, don't do it to me. Mm. Because, and then I do hashtag mind your manners and hashtag think with your big head. Mm. <laughs> nice. And I, I try and hold that line really, really hard because this happens all the time. And it does usually happen in the direction of men saying these things to women. And we just kind of withdraw and become a little uncomfortable. Uh uh-uh, I confront. Absolutely. I do. No, that's important. And I, and for you to have boundaries on that, on that platform is, is important because you, you want to be able to continue to present that information for people that need it. And, and I think especially because TikTok skews a little bit younger, 
mm-hmm. far as users go. I mean, there's those of us that are on the other end of the spectrum that are just like, <laughs> I've been in, I've been on lockdown for a year. I'm 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 starting TikTok. I think that I think it's really important because that is where a lot of the misconceptions come from. What I've noticed is from the younger people, young men and women, where they're not quite as open yet. And so I think it's it's really important that younger people are hearing your message and and getting the benefit of your education with those kinds of, of things about, you know, your ass not having an orientation. I love that. That's something that people can grab onto and, Mm -hmm. you know, know, almost like a hook and then go from there and really get into, you know, more intelligent conversation, better informed conversation about these kinds of things, you know, right from mechanics to role reversal and relational implications and intimacy and all that kind of thing. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a really important place for you to be, I think, given, given everything that you have to say. So I'm, I'm really happy you're there. I have, I'm like following you already. So. <laughs> Everybody you. needs to follow Ruby Rider on TikTok. Cause it's, yeah, well, it's like- I, I tried it as an experiment. And like I say, Dr. Joe Cord is the one that inspired me that it could be done with class mm-hmm. and gracefully and all that. And I knew that the audience was going to be largely younger people. With younger people, it's so interesting because I think that there's a couple of different forces working. In some ways, they're much more open about sex. I mean, they don't, I want to use the word suffer from as many misconceptions and fears because uh, sexuality is a bit more fluid. And if people go, dude, that's gay, they're like, and, you know? <laughs> right. And not all of them, certainly, but more so than my generation, totally. Mm. But I have to say the TikTok video that, that is by far the, the two or three that I did on this subject that are the most popular are about prostate massage for enlarged prostate. So mm. maybe there's a bunch of older people on maybe. there too. Because typically swollen prostate happens to men in uh, 50% of men in their 50s, 60% of men in their 60s, you get the wow. point. And it's kind of epidemic. And there's this lack of information that prostate massage can be something that can really help that. Certainly, I'm not a doctor, and you have to get screened for prostate cancer first and make sure that's not a problem. But once that's done and you suffer from the symptoms of uh, enlarged prostate, which is basically usually urinary symptoms, you have difficulty voiding your bladder completely. Sometimes you have pain in urination. And these are the guys that get up four or five times a night and go pee, okay? Mm why not try massage first? It's like, let's first do no harm, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just simply rarely even mentioned and certainly not offered in medical offices these days. They go straight mm. to medication or rather invasive and expensive surgeries. And there's a study out there on the internet by the owners of the company Aneros, two Japanese urologists, husband and wife, they devised this solo use prostate massage device specifically to treat enlarged prostate. They bring it to the United States. They do a study. They get 190 guys. They all have BPH. They give them these devices. They say, this is how to use them. About 150 of them did what they were supposed to do and finished the study. And over 90% of them experienced a dramatic reduction in symptomatology. And some of them experienced a complete elimination of symptoms. So they published this and they put it in a journal of urology. And, you know, again, I'm not a scientist, not a doctor. And I think the next step would be some kind of clinical study, which was never done because it costs a zillion dollars. Mm -hmm. But 
that is out there and that is something that can be tried first would be prostate massage. And of course, the reason I talk about all this is because it's one more reason to explore prostate pleasure. This is a, a, an added benefit is prostate health. Mm. So yeah, those, those TikTok videos went through the roof. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's a need for this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. TikTok's a wild world though. Everybody wants a healthy prostate. Mm-hmm. Everybody's interest. Thanks for helping me keep my prostate healthy, B. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Anything I can do. (laughs) So I want to backtrack just for a moment because when you were, when Dante, when you were talking about, you know, people get interested in it, should they just like go to the sex store and buy the equipment? Part of what I want to impart here is that you can do this so many different ways and you can take things really, really slow because I certainly get emails from people who talk about, well, you know, my partner and I, and we got all excited about this pegging thing. And we went down to the store and, and we got the stuff and we came home and we did it. You can do that. You absolutely can. Or you can, as a couple, think about maybe some of these things that you're going to be doing in the whole experience are firsts for you. Maybe it's the first time you've explored his ass. Maybe it's the first time you've used fingers and toys you know, all different kinds of things that could be firsts for you. So you can make it into this sort of erotic anticipatory experience where maybe Tuesdays and Saturdays are ass play nights and you do a little bit more each time and then you finish it off with whatever sexy times you want, right? And it becomes this long journey where finally at the end of it, you do the pegging thing. You could even sext each other and sound like, you know, it's Tuesday morning. You're like, ha your ass is mine tonight, you know, whatever you want to say. And that's a different way to do it. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, the first example is like one and then the other end of the spectrum is that choose something in between if you like, but there's so much to enjoy there. There really is that celebrating each first in and of itself and just having a good time with it, I think is, is just delicious. Yeah. Like who needs another reason to have more fun with your partner? Like, it seems like a <laughs> no brainer. If you enjoy them, why wouldn't you want to enjoy even more of them? <laughs> I took a class that was how to be the best sex educator you can be. And they coached us through figuring out what your mission statement is. And my mission statement is I am here to give couples one more thing in their sexual treasure chest of choices by teaching them, couples and singles, by teaching them about pegging. And, you know, we're in this classroom and it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. It was the first class of the, of the day in the sexuality conference, right? And so I, I do that. And of course, the last word I say is pegging. And there's this sort of murmur that runs through the room. <laughs> and the instructor goes, ah, mentioning pegging before noon. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> Better than cocktails. <laughs> I love that. That was fantastic. I think that's a great way, a great place to end it is, is with that mission statement, because I, I think that's great message to take out into the world. Mm-hmm. Ruby, where would you like us to direct people to find you? You talked about your two websites, which I'll put mm-hmm. links into. Is there anywhere else that you would like us to make mention of? Your fire TikTok? I am on TikTok and my address there, people have had difficulty finding and I'm, you know, who knows whether there's shadow ban or I don't know, but there I am pegging paradise on TikTok. 
But also, if you go to my website, peggingparadise.com, I recently put up a blog and have one of those beautiful fancy QR code thingies that you just nice. point your phone at and it'll Damn totally it. take you to my TikTok. It's yep. pretty bitching. Those are the two best places. Peggingparadise.com has links to so many things. Right there on the front page, it has a link to my upcoming webinar schedule. I schedule those a month at a time. I schedule them at a wide variety of places, excuse me, a wide variety of times and days. Because ever since FetLife started giving us the ability to classify events as virtual, it's become really international. It's just mm. fascinating to me. So many different countries people represent when they come to my webinars. And if you cannot find something that works for your schedule, shoot me an email. And I'm usually happy to try and accommodate a special day of the week and time because there's so many people who are interested in this right now that it fills up, you know, it's no problem at all. So that's the main place. Okay. On Twitter, I'm Ruby underscore writer. On Instagram, I'm the Ruby writer. Um, there is also a, uh, a cam girl somewhere in Europe who uses the name Ruby Rider. We kind of share things sometimes in terms of <laughs> she got to Linktree first, you know, stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> and we're well aware of each other. <laughs> but those are the basic places to find me and the stuff that I'm doing. That's about it. Thank you so much for, for spending time with us today. We've, we've learned so much and I, I think we've answered all of our um, our followers' questions. There was quite a bit of curiosity with that. So thank you so much for spending the time with us today. We'll keep you updated. See if you can play the music for us. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I've first of all, enjoyed this so much. I really appreciate you having me on. And that my next thought was, you know, I want to hear about the next homework stuff and, you know, <laughs> not maybe not the real details, you know, <laughs> but maybe yes. <laughs> Yes. I don't see why not. Have fun with that. We will definitely, we will definitely keep you updated. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Ruby. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Speak soon. Welcome back, everyone. (laughs) How about that? She's phenomenal. Oh my God. That was great. Yeah. So what would you say is your takeaway from this week? I fully expected that when I asked her, so how do you get started? She would go like a checklist of like one, two, three, four, five. I totally thought that there was like a paint by numbers way to do it. And mm. it, there wasn't. And it's not because Ruby's not prepared because she totally is. It's mm. because because she is so knowledgeable that, that there is no right, one right answer, one solution to fit all butts mm-hmm. on how you do this. And I thought that was interesting because I fully expected that that there was going to be this, yeah, do this, 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 and then mm. you will have been pegged. You're welcome. Thank you for coming <laughs> to my TED talk. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was that was really that was really interesting. Yeah. What about yours? Mine would be always carry your sex toys on your carry-on luggage. <laughs> don't check a it. so that you don't lose them, and b so that you can watch. The looks on faces as it goes through the x-ray machine. You know, I've, I can sympathize with that. I don't carry sex toys in my carry-on. I'm gonna. You're gonna now. Yeah. But I, I have the same sort of justification. You know how sometimes when you go through and they're like, oh, we need to give you an x-ray or do you want to take a pat down? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, pat down all the way. Okay. Out in public. 
as uncomfortable for everybody. Let's <laughs> let that's it. Now I'm not making this easy on anyone. You know, and she's not that malicious. She's not malicious like that. She just she Ruby wants to use it as ready. an opportunity to educate, right? Educate. Yeah. So, I TSA, love it. if you're there's, listening, there's always an opportunity to teach someone something. <laughs> Changing minds and butts. <laughs> <laughs> One TSA official at a time. I love it. So now we got we got to get working on getting the song played for us. Yeah, well, yeah. All we'll right. have to put it out there. That's going to be like code on the uh, on the IG page or something so, like that. So what are you doing later? Yeah. <laughs> you you are you coming by? Maybe. Uh, all right. Cool. All right, guys. We got to go. Then. Your ass is mine. <laughs> if I get that text, I know what's up. So like and subscribe. Leave a review. Send us an email. Thank you, everybody yeah. who gave let, us questions. Let us know if you this. have any other questions because she is going to come back. So if you have any questions about anything. Follow up. Yeah, please. So sure. yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye, guys.